This week on The Binge Thinker, I talk to you about my million dollar idea that's going to give me my personal freedom, the system that you can download to get fucking shredded in 16 weeks, and I look back on the last three years of my self-obsession with self-actualization. My name is Jamil Raymond. I am The Binge Thinker. Hello and welcome to The Binge Thinker episode 42. My name is Jamil Raymond. It's an absolute pleasure to have you here as always. On this week's ep, we're still figuring out season two. We're getting it done. I'm talking about uh, my multi-million dollar idea, at least I believe it is, and what I'm going forward with in my solopreneur journey. I talk about Uh, one of my systems for good physical health, my diet system, talking about how we integrate ourselves at the spiritual, mental, and physical levels to get holistic health. And also looking back on the last three years of my self-obsession with self-optimization. It's become, um, it's just hit three years this week. I've put something out on the internet, wanted to talk about it in a bit more depth. And we shall. So March 1st, this year and every year marks the anniversary of beginning the transformation. It's a special day for me, uh, March 1st, is because it's when I put the fucking pedal to the metal and just started going for it. Just started going for this journey of self-optimization, getting the help that I needed to help achieve this burgeoning feeling in my intuition, which I now recognize as my gut and my intuition about being capable of more. And you probably know me because of how much I've transformed and that's why you're part of this podcast now, or maybe you're just uh, a new listener, which is fucking fantastic and hello and welcome to the show. But it's really hard to explain how much has fundamentally changed about me, about my understanding of myself and, you know, the complete 180 that I have to life. And that's because of this constant self-obsession with getting the most out of myself and just really following my gut about, what I'm doing and what I'm capable of. And we all think about what we're capable of um, when we all think we're capable of more. And we are. We absolutely all are. But I just, there is this sense that we get held down by society, by the systems, the people that surround us, the environment that doesn't facilitate our individual capabilities. And I sort of talked about this a bit last week about, yeah, just being the boxed-in child and understanding and recognizing that the systems and the environment that we live in modern society does not facilitate our individual well-being. And that's something that I holistically believe in. Hence why I'm putting these systems and these things that I've worked at an individual level for me and putting them out into the world because I believe what's good for me is what's good for you. We are both fragments of the collective, right? We all have this seed of individuality within ourselves and that's something I thoroughly believe in. And we need to nurture that. We need to self-care, self-love, self-nurture because really we're all just playing one-player games in life. Everything we know about the universe, everything we know about who we are as individuals, 
is in our minds. And all we have is our minds. And in, within that mind is a system. That's why I'm obsessed, obsessed about systems. We have, through our consciousness, we have been able to derive the systems and the processes that formulate this fabric of reality that we all live in. And what I, why am I talking about this? Where am I going with this? I guess it's with the transformation, it's just been about applied consciousness and applied discipline in every single element of my life. I have been obsessively self-reflecting on, you know, pivotal moments of my life, behaviors, um, personal critiques that are common. I'm a very, I'm very good at uh, pattern recognition. That's the logical brain in me that is very good at logic and understanding patterns. And that's a really important skill to have because also I'm quite an, I'm a sensitive individual, a very highly sensitive individual. Um, unfortunately that has been calcified and been damaged and had to protect itself through the harshness of the reality that we live in. And so, you know, when people critique me, it, sometimes it fucking hurts, um, but often it doesn't. And that's, that's the real polarity that I have in my own head, is that I, part of me is an extremely sensitive individual. That is the hurt child. But then also part of me is this incredibly driven individual that wants the feedback, that loves getting better at things. And I think that is the non-hurt child inside me. Because like we talked about last week, um, yeah, that kid that wanted to answer all the questions and loved you know, knowing everything at school that's this it's a similar vein it's the evolution of that that's how i feel about it so with that self obsession and this understanding that this is my life and mine to control and mine purely to experiment and iterate on within myself has put me on this journey of self optimization now so the ambition does take it to a certain place, which is fantastic, but there's two sides to every coin. So there is this, the dark side of this ambition and this drive is also this fear, this deep-seated fear of not being enough. I have battled low self-esteem for my entire life and I still do up to, you know, I'm still working on it now. So, and I've always felt like an outsider that didn't fit in, that I've always been on the outer. It's what makes me want to do comedy. It's what makes me an individual nowadays, something that I've embraced. But that doesn't mean that the negative association with that outsider's perspective and not being like I'm part of it, of part of the collective, hasn't hurt me and hasn't created that distance in my mind for, again, my entire existence up until a couple of years ago. So what's this journey? This journey of self-optimization is just me tinkering with myself. Me just going, all right, what are the things to aim for in life? 
How do I get there? And how do I build them? How do I get better? And again, through this process of working on myself, building myself up in every direction, getting help, getting mentors, getting guidance, and just being obsessed with it. I mean, I don't watch free-to-air TV anymore. I have very few distractions in my life that are not relevant to some aspect of self-improvement in my life. Right, the media that I consume, it's all philosophy, it's all business, it's comedy, it's things that I'm purely interested in. I don't pay attention to the news, I don't pay attention to politics anymore. I just don't give a fuck because I've recognized that it doesn't serve me anymore. Now, this degree of self-obsession does contain a degree of narcissism, or at least I fear that it does. But we are all a little bit narcissistic and there is societally this massive dearth of self-care about putting ourselves too far into the needs of others and focusing too externally on the outside world to solve our problems when they are really all just within us. Sure, you need external elements like good food and sun and there are, you, know, you need to cultivate an environment and inputs that facilitate our holistic health. But as far as making peace with your pain, um, you know, reinforcing positive behaviors, reflecting on these memories and these stories that we tell ourselves, so much of that is just done in solitude. But of course you need to also have mentors, guidance, people, right? I've got a tribe of mentors. I've got a tribe of people and resources that I've facilitated and cultivated over time to help coach me, guide me, give me external guidance because there's so many elements of this self-actualization journey that you need to get out of yourself of. So many elements of the old you that your body is quite attached to, the ego is quite attached to in trauma, in your freeze responses, um, just, you know, these things that paralyze us beyond what the intuition in our gut and this newer story that we're telling ourselves about ourselves to get better, so it doesn't necessarily hit the right way and it doesn't necessarily undo that damage or recompartmentalize your thoughts and belief systems about who you are. And that's probably a good way to take this back is right is one of the biggest learnings that I've had about this transformation process in the weight loss, in the wealth generation, in the creating business. It's all mental. It's all about your mindset. It's about your belief system because we are playing a one-player game, but we also write the rules to our own game. And for the longest time, up until we have generated self-awareness and cultivated a sense of self, those rules and those definitions have been coded into us by society, by our families, by the examples of others that we just absorb like sponges. But the constant battle every day 
It's not the heavyweights. It's not trying to figure out how to make more sales. It's the belief system that you can do it. And it's not listening to the ego when you approach that next level, when you get to that level of discomfort, when you live at your edge. That's the constant battle. In every element of your life, you will face your ego over and over again. Why? Because as we walk into the unfamiliar, into the unknown, our egos hate that. And the function of the ego is to protect ourselves and guide the mind or the brain rather and the body into what is known. So at every level, your ego is going to cast aspersions externally into the world about the things that you cannot do or the reasons why you shouldn't do something. And they could just be fucking bullshit narratives. And most of it is the judgments of others. But if you do not listen to that, if you recognize and you get enough runs on the board of your successes, you can recognize that in the nature of your mind as it is what it is. That is the nature of your ego. Once you accept that, once you can appreciate it, you can step forward, you can grow, you can evolve. And yeah, the, the mental aspect, mental mastery is the battleground in every element of transformation. Like it's ingrained into me to exercise five to six days a week now. It never used to be. No, actually it used to be, but I, what happened was when you yo-yo and you go up and down and you wait and you know you can you people that get fit and then get fat again, what they haven't done is change the mental procedures, stories, processes, triggers in our minds or the, yeah, that, yeah, in our minds that preclude eating unhealthily, right? I'll give you a perfect example. I used to eat to self-comfort, to self-soothe because my family environment was not great. Once I got out of that environment and I recognized that it is a trigger point, it is up to me to you know, change that dis- narrative and recognize that narrative, change it, blunt it, reduce it, right? That people don't understand that about themselves because that is often an impulse and that impulse hijacks their executive forebrain thought, the higher self. That is where the best part of ourselves when we think about our highest ideals and our most capable selves, most of that function sits in the executive brain, in the forebrain. But unfortunately, our trauma responses, our triggers, things that have wounded us, They sit in the older parts of our brain, the amygdala, the reptilian brain, the monkey brain. We've talked about that, but it's worth reiterating. These are the things that hold us back from that higher ideal. So what's next in the transformation? I just keep fucking going. The the physical systems, they're optimized. The mental is a constant battle. I will be constantly mentally battling myself, challenging myself every single day because, you know, to get from this mindset to go from 
like say a six to a seven figure salary requires a different mindset, requires a different version of you. Um, the mindset that goes from, you know, being an employee to self-employed, that requires a different mindset, a different perspective, a different operating system. So understanding more broadly, I will be constantly challenging my mind and wherever my mind goes, the body follows. That's the biggest takeaway from this transformation is that you were only really battling yourself and then in the external world, you are figuring out what are the little tinkers and the tools and the processes that will enable the things that you reinforce your identity or your goals towards. And yeah, what am I, what am I working on now from, from a transformational perspective? Right now, it's just it's financial and sexual systems is what I'm working on right now. I'm sitting back, I'm learning from other people about um, business in the digital world. I know a lot about traditional business, but I don't know much about digital business. I'm sitting back, learning from others, learning a new system, downloading that into my brain, building towards independence, building towards a skill set and a mindset that allows me to survive as an individual and create abundance in this new creative digital economy. That's what I'm aiming for. From a sexual perspective, right now I'm working on unpacking a lot of shit from my childhood. Uh, I did not realize until I went to therapy and I've had these constant issues with anxiety, sexual performance, all that sort of stuff, how much I have to unpack and how much pain and shame I have to undo. So it's taking a lot of work at the moment to optimize that. Um, and that is something I'll definitely be talking about when it's ready. It's still early days uh, talking about, you know, sexuality. I've sort of talked about kink and dominance a little bit in the pod. But I'm too early in the game in that system to be adding much value right now. I could talk about my process, sure. But right now, it's still probably a little bit too raw to be sharing. But I'm sure I'll get there at some point. My broader vision for this podcast is to really just share every degree of my life with you guys because I'm sure it's helpful because... Again, the problems that I've faced and that I'm solving, I'm sure people just like yourself have asked the question, are too afraid or too ashamed to address it, um, or you just value what I have to say, which I appreciate. So here's the thing as well with the transformation. I put out this post um, on March 1st. I took myself out to a nice dinner to sit back and appreciate me, how much I've done for myself. If you haven't seen the post, um, let me just talk you through what I've done in the last three years. Okay. And I'm just reading from the list here. In the last three years, I have lost 15 kilos in 16 weeks during the first lockdown I have optimized my sleep and my diet and my exercise to get me to a regular 10% body fat, which is abs. I've doubled my testosterone naturally. I've doubled my income at the top 3% of earners in Australia. I founded two businesses. I've produced dozens of comedy shows. Even even ran a queer comedy show as a straight cis man. I've been recognized as a cultural leader in one of Australia's biggest brands, Telstra. I DJed for the first time. I played bass live for the first time in 10 years. 
I started this podcast. I've become a better son, a better brother, a better friend. I've supported many others throughout their own growth journeys, and I have connected to a higher power. And through this three years, through this self-inflection and self-reflection, which has been very intense, I have found discipline. I've recognized my core emotional wounds. I have diagnosed and managed my ongoing anxiety. I've understood the depth of my traumas, learned to love myself properly, fight the war of shame, still do every day, dropped my negative self-talk by 99% and really just found appreciation for my own space. I found purpose, meaning, and I found happiness. I've created this abundant mindset. I've healed lots of my wounded inner child, trusted my intuition, grown every day, made a friend of my mind and learned to put myself first. I've overcome in the last three years being made redundant, a ruptured bicep tendon, numerous setbacks, multiple anxiety attacks, uh, a childhood of significant trauma and neglect, low self-esteem, and the shadows of poor leaders. And that sounds like a fucking lot to be doing in three years. But honestly, I think there's a degree of you as an individual, if you sat back and really thought about the good things that have happened in your life in that time, you would have a fucking few wins as well. And that's the problem is that we're so focused on the negative instead of the positive. We always think about what's wrong in our lives instead of counting the fucking wins. And that's all I've done is just counted all the wins that I've had. And I'll tell you right now, it's difficult to put that out into the world. It's difficult to celebrate myself because of what I talked about last week, about this idea that I stand out from the crowd and I want to talk about it and I want to acknowledge myself, but it feels egotistical as fuck. It feels like I'm showing off or I'm bragging because that's what was thrown at me as an individual when I was young that, yeah, I do enjoy loving what I've done for myself, but there is still... Yeah, just these kids or these, this hurt old mindset of people dragging me down for doing so well. Now, I recognize now that's a hater's mindset, right? Because when I think about from, a, from an abundant perspective, I love seeing other people's wins. I love seeing people's success, their growth. It fuels me. Watching other people succeed is one of my greatest joys in life. Being able to facilitate that is one of my greatest joys in life. So even if it happened without me, the fact that people are putting themselves out there, putting themselves in the firing line, being that tall poppy, taking that risk, a healthy environment encourages that. Because we understand innately how much of ourselves we, we are holding down. How much of ourselves we're holding back to the opinions of others. And we've all felt small when we know we have done better than what we're being recognized for. Or we at least want to be recognized for. So it's still like, you know, it gets easier every year to sort of look back and talk about my successes. But you know, it's something I still fight, right? I'm fighting the wiring constantly. It's what I said before. I'm constantly fighting the wiring of yesterday. That shit does not disappear once 
you've hit a level of success once you've climbed a chunk of the mountain. Yes, you're up there and you can appreciate what you've done, but there is still a lot of healing of the old and, you know, the stories that we've told ourselves for so long. It's hard to undo 20 plus years in a couple of years, right? It gets lesser, sure. Like I talked about there, my negative self-talk and my self-criticism has significantly dropped. But it still sits there, right? Deep cuts take a long time to heal. But that's it, you know. You've got to keep healing. It's not one undone. It's not a Band-Aid, right? You know, flesh, chick stick scars, looks cool, heals a few weeks, a few months, if you're me. Emotional stuff, that can, that can be your entire life, depending on how bad it is and how advanced the treatment you've taken yourself to to get it done, right? I can't think of anyone, or not that I know of anyone, that has completely healed their, tra- uh, their trauma, completely healed their traumatic or core wounds. I mean, if there are stories, I'd love to fucking hear about them, right? So it's a journey. I'm not done. I never will be done. I just iterate day by day. And it's been fucking amazing to date. And I hope that this gives you a little encouragement and, you know, a little inspiration to go out and just invest in yourself. That's really what I've done the most is I've bet on myself and invested in myself and it has been the biggest payout ever. It will continue to keep paying out because the systems that I create now are wealth for my own well-being, my own financial freedom, achieving the things that I want in life, not achieving what other people want in life. Fuck that. I've done that for other people. So I want to get out of fucking working for a corporation. I'm sick of living other people's dreams. So next up, it's system time, baby. So I've talked about systematic thinking on the last podcast. It's extremely important to understand systematic thinking, breaking yourself down into components, into parts that you can tweak, you can analyze and optimize for your holistic, physical, mental, spiritual health. So I talked about the overview last week. I talked about the big breakdown again physical, mental, spiritual. I'm going to take you through every single system that I have optimized in my life. Hopefully it works for you. Well, I know it'll work for you. Take it, learn from it, you know, take what's useful. But I think it's important to put this shit out there because it's just what works. Simple as that. So the first system that I want to talk about is my diet. Why? Because everyone is obsessed with their physical selves first and foremost. Everyone wants better health. Everyone wants to look good. I do. I'm not going to deny that. Right? My physical goals right now is sexy longevity. I just want to look good and keep my body in shape for as long as I can. I have no interest in breaking lifting records or fucking being a full-on meathead anymore. I just want to look good, feel good, and keep this shell my flesh bag as efficient and keep it as healthy as I can for as long as I can so I can live as long as I can until we get those sweet 
until I put my fucking brain into a can, into a robot brain, and I can live infinitely. That'd be fucking mad. I would totally do that, by the way. If, if, if we found a way to synthesize consciousness and it was all connected to the sensory brain and we could migrate that into a robot, I would give that a crack, for sure. I wouldn't be the first one to do it. I would like to be the 20,000th person to do that so they get all the fuck-ups out of the way. But I would totally do it. Anyway, system number one, physical health diet. So what has worked for me in optimizing my physical health is high-protein ketogenic dieting, okay? So some backstory, uh, month one of the transformation, I got in touch with Nikita Yuduvichenko, the god of hormones. I had seen Nikita's work on uh, 4chan and on Instagram for many years. I'd seen him grow as this um, fitness, I don't even know what you call him, honestly, Diet coach, fitness coach is, is probably what I got to him for, where he had these insane transformations of people, both natural and unnatural. Uh, all of me is natural, baby, which makes it even sweeter that I've got to this point. So, like I said earlier, I got mentors. I just had to outsource myself. I had to outsource what I needed to eat and what I needed to do physically to someone, an expert, because years of being a PT, well, not years, but studying physical therapy, not personal physical therapy, personal training, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I was a qualified PT. I'd done diet courses. I tried to coach, be coached by other PTs that are experts in this field, and I just fucking sucked at it. I was pretty shit at it. I could not adhere to a program. I had not built discipline into me. Discipline was not installed into me for most of my adult life, up until pretty much three years ago, right? So what I did was I just went, all right, I need help here. I am almost 30. I've been telling myself for 10 plus years, I'm going to be shredded one day. I'm going to have the six pack. I'm going to be fit. And it never eventuated. I got fairly skinny when I was like 18, 19, but I wasn't eating very well at all. When I look back on it, my macros were fuck all and I was training a lot. So it's not really healthy. And again, I didn't understand the psychological triggers that caused me to comfort eat. So again, over years, I have yo-yoed, gone up and down and up and down in weight. And I was fucking sick of it. You know, I lied to myself so many times about getting shit done and I didn't. So I was like, fuck this. I need help. So I was seeing Nikita's stuff in the months leading up to March 1st. This is also March 1st, 2020, by the way. So the pandemic is about to fucking hit. And I'd seen his stuff. And again, this gut, this intuition that I had been following or had been just relying on now and following as part of this journey of myself I went and looked at his stuff. I was like, you should just check this out. You should see how much it costs. You should just, you know, he's making the transformation that you want. It's there. So I reached out um, in the last week of Feb sometime. He told me how it works. It's, you know, it was, it was only 100 euros for his coaching. I was just like, fuck it. Let's go. So I did. So I signed up and looking back now, at what the diet was, it was 
to get me shredded and into shape is high protein ketogenic dieting. So what's high protein keto? It's ketogenic dieting, so you get rid of basically all the carbohydrates out of your system. You revert into ketosis, which is a naturally occurring energy system that's in the body that converts fat into ketones, which is the body's natural energy source. And then you also eat a fuckload of protein um, to build your muscle tissue, increase your satiation so you don't feel hungry, and obviously get those mad muscles that you want to be a sick cunt. So what's the benefit of ketogenic dieting? So if you're a thick guy like me, if you've got a real slow metabolism, keto is really good for you. And the reason why is because keto, the best way to understand how keto works as an energy system is that think of us like like a diesel engine, right? Our bodies actually burn fat as energy and it's a slow burning fat. It's a slow burning energy right? So when you, like a diesel truck, that burns slow. When you have a high performance race vehicle, like, you know, F1 Ferraris or whatever sports cars, they run on high octane, highly burnable energy systems. So naturally, humans have a slow burning energy system. And that's why we store excess energy as fat, because we go, oh, we've got too much energy because all the carbs are doing all the work of the energy, so we'll just keep this for later in fat because you don't know when these carbs are going to be gone. And that's the reality of what we've been, is that agriculture has changed the, uh, our dietary systems for convenience, but it necessarily hasn't served how our bodies actually operate, which is through consuming fats, uh, proteins, primarily because that's what we do. We're hunters. We're gatherers, right? We are built to be carnivores. And successful hunters eat a lot of meat. That's what we've got these incisors, these pointy teeth for. So now that we have too many carbs in our diet, we've gotten away from these energy systems that serve us naturally, and we think carbs are the answer, and we've demonized fats when it's really the other way around because carbohydrates don't occur naturally in non-agricultural societies. They, you know, it's hard to find fruit all the time. Fruit is seasonal and in variations. It's only available three months of the year. You can't get fucking honey. I mean, unless you are a brave motherfucker or one of those giant bears that just eats straight up honey, it's hard to find it. Potatoes, tubers, starches, they came in small supplies and it wasn't until agriculture came around and we understood crossbreeding and cross-pollination to make better, larger vegetables. We only had carbohydrates, starches, tubers in small amounts, right? So moving to this natural system of fat, getting rid of the carbohydrates from your body and using the fat systems that we've internally got is a very efficient way to burn fat. And all the bodybuilders, all of your guys that have a fighters, they're all cutting carbs to gut to cut weight. But how do you substitute all those carbohydrates as from a macro perspective? You eat, need to eat more protein. You need to eat a fuckload of protein, okay? I was eating 300 grams of protein per day um, at the start of this diet, which was a fuckload 
I went from a guy that was probably eating 100, 120, even though I was a gym guy, again, my diet was dog shit, to eating a kilo of meat per day. Right? I can eat a kilo of chicken. I, I can eat a whole roast chook, a whole bachelor's handbag every single day now, and it still wouldn't fit my macros. I would still need more protein every single day. So that high protein is very important because it, it's what keeps you full alongside the fats. I'm telling you now, if you have steak and eggs for breakfast, you won't fucking want to eat until 4 p.m. Because protein and fats take a long time to digest in the stomach. A complete protein is so complex that it actually takes 30% of the calories that you ingest and it burns them to just process the protein, right? So let's just say, for example, you eat 100 grams of protein, that's 400 calories of, um, you know, of your calorie balance that you've taken in for the day. It'll take 120 calories to process that 400 that you've ingested, right? So using the body's complex systems for itself, in within itself, means that you can efficiently burn fat, strip it off, okay? It's my personal belief as a benchmark, if you're a numpty when it comes to diet, as a dude, 200 grams of protein per day. That's what you should be eating at the very minimum. If you want to improve your physical well-being, if you want to improve your mood, improve your, reduce your hunger cravings, eat 200 grams of protein per day. That's probably about, for me, that's 200 grams of protein is you know, two scoops of protein powder, 400 grams of steak, and you know, maybe you know, 300, 200 grams of chicken breast. So you can probably balance that out depending on what your financial situation requires, right? So chicken breast is the best, easiest way to get almost pure protein in. Steaks are good, but they're a bit fattier. Again, protein shakes are good, but they're liquid, so they don't really fill you up as much. But So okay, what are the benefits of being on keto? I fucking love it, personally. I really enjoy ketogenic dieting. Um, it does feel a little bit boring because literally all I'm eating is meats and fats and fuck all protein. So as an example, uh, an example macro split on high protein keto would be 50% of your calories come from protein, 45% of it come towards fats, and then 5% or 50 grams of carbs per day you should be ingesting. So for example, uh, I was looking at it about 300 grams of protein per day. 90 grams of fat per day and 50 grams of carbs. That's what I was getting to when I first started dieting. And it's a, it's a shock at first to, be, to adjust to this stuff. But the benefits for me, I get mentally sharper. And I, I love it. Because the reason why I think I get sharper is because if you don't have carbohydrates in your system affecting your blood sugar levels, which is what gives us those crashes when we eat, you know, when you have a big meal and you feel tired that's usually your blood sugar's peaking and crashing as that insulin gets released, all right? I don't want to go into the deep science because you can look for that shit and you won't give a fuck about it now. But when you have a big meal, a big carby meal, and you want to go to sleep, that's your blood sugar at work. By minimizing all the carbohydrates out of your system, you don't have these peaks and crashes. And again, just like a diesel fuel truck that has to travel thousands of kilometers at a set rate, you just get this nice, consistent energy level that doesn't really get fucked with. In fact, when I was doing keto, um, you know, when I was in the peak of it, 
I couldn't go to sleep sometimes because my body was processing so much fat as ketones and gave me so much natural energy that I would only sleep five hours a night, but feel good in the process. I'd get to 11, 12 o'clock and I was getting up at 5.30 in the morning and I'd be like, fuck, I've still got, I still want to do some shit, you know? Um, and then, yeah, you strip fat. That's one of the biggest benefits of keto. You strip fat pretty fucking quick. So I was losing on average about 500 grams of fat or weight per week with the high protein. It helps retain a lot of the potentially lost muscle when you lose weight. When you lose weight, you're losing predominantly water, fat, and then a little bit of muscle. So if you have a lot of protein and there's a lot of proteins in your body, um, and almost an excess of it, your body will burn those. It's not an efficient energy system, but it'll burn those and it'll spare the muscle that you've got. I honestly thought I gained a little bit of muscle whilst I was doing the initial 16-week transformation. So for the record, I did high-protein keto and just followed Nikita's systems for 16 weeks from March till June. And I lost, what, 15 kilos. I went from about 25% body fat to sub 10%. And that diet was, you know, a fuckload of chicken thighs, Fuck, fuckload of steak, protein powders, salads, and Mediterranean-style eating, you know, lots of grilled meats, lots of um, olive oil, a bit of salad, you know, cucumbers and tomatoes and whatnot. Uh, you know, and during the pandemic, you couldn't really do anything but sit at home and cook your own meals anyway. So that's what I did. I just invested in some good uh, pots and pans and like a grill pan that worked on, you know, um, on my stove. And just started grilling meats and fucking eating them, man. Because I had to just install this system, suck it up, tell my brain to shut the fuck up, and just do. Just do what this guy tells me to do. I pay him to be a professional diet fitness coach, right? He's got enough fucking results there. Our minds create so much resistance and create a thousand reasons why it'll work. It won't work for us, but it works for other people. Again, that is your hurt ego. That is the lazy old you getting in the way of some progress. That is the ego at work. So if you're looking to get shredded pretty fucking quickly, high protein keto all the way, I still use it now, when I'm getting shredded, I'm doing it right now. I'm about to head off overseas in a week. So I've dropped my carbs down this week. I'll be on fuck all carbs. I'll drop a kilo easy in a week. And that's mostly water. That's still the glycogen from your muscles draining out. It makes it takes a little bit of size off you physically, but you start getting into full-on fat burning mode, which is fantastic, right? It's reliable as fuck. It's good for you. People say, oh, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a bit of an issue. There's it's health problems and it's for diabetics. You know why it's for diabetics? Because those fat fucks have got too much sh blood sugar in their system and they need to null it and bring it down. It's like, like a drug addict. You have to wean off that shit, right? You have to wean off sugar. That's why you're a diabetic because you're addicted to fucking sugar. If you're a type 2, if you're a type 1, it's your insulin, you know. You know who I'm talking to, guys. If you've got any problems in the diabetic community, want to come out and say something, I'll apologize. The type ones only. Type twos, you fat fucks, get to it. So that's system number one. High protein keto, you know, 
200 grams of protein per day, lots of fats, fuck all carbs, about 50 grams a day. Start with that shit. Um, you know, plenty of resources online, plenty of people that have dieted on keto. It's not some weird fad. It is a genuinely medically proven way to lose weight. I've done it. And if you believe me and you're listening to me now, just fucking do it. All right. That's the diet system number one out of the way. Enjoy. Fuck. Remember when I said this is going to be like 10 minute episode, 10 minute segments? Fucking bullshit, huh? Anywho, time for uh, the solopreneur journey, talking about my process, what I'm working on in the next phase of my life. Being a solo entrepreneur, I used to hate the term entrepreneur. I thought it was wanky, but it is what it is. Just accept it. Um, yeah. So what I want to talk about this week, we talked about the why. Why do I want my freedom? Why am I going on this journey? Why do I feel so passionate and driven toward these things? And today we're going to talk about the what. What am I creating? So my first foray, or my second foray into entrepreneurialism, first one was Aussie Comedy Network, and we'll talk about why that failed at a later ep. Got some good reflections on that. The reason why, so what I'm working on now is a technology sales course that is aimed at people that are early in career in their tech sales course. And the reason why I'm doing that is because I have my entire career to date has been in sales and technology sales. I worked for Telstra for almost 10 years. I work for Cisco now. Um, I've always been in the tech sales industry. It's something that I fell into. I didn't aspire to be in tech sales. I didn't even aspire to be in sales. And that's one of the interesting things is nobody aspires to be a salesperson, but so many people find themselves in it. And the reason why people find themselves in it is because it makes fucking good money, right? You've got, you've got your income plus the commission, and most of those commissions are very rarely capped. So if you're a fucking fiend at your skill and you want to hone it and get better at it, the ability to make money is virtually unlimited. And that's what I got myself into, is that I've figured out um, very, very early on that I liked technology. I, you know, I've been playing with computers since I was a baby, since I was a toddler. I actually asked my mum to get photos of me with the old family computer. I had a computer, a PC in 1993. That thing was a premium piece of technology. This is before the ubiquitousness of the home PC. And we weren't a rich family. My parents were fucking struggling migrants. And my dad, God bless him, enjoyed technology, was passionate about it, and bought one for the family home. And it was just me, my mom, and my dad. And I love that thing. There's photos of me playing video games and learning about the anatomy. And it's just so funny now to see that behavior come through now to be a, you know, I would say an essentially an expert in technology that I am. But again, that was passion. I have no formal skills or formal qualifications in technology sales, but I'm fucking good at it, right? I have been in business to business tech sales for about five or six years now. And the previous years of that, I was in just normal B2C sales, so just selling computer products and consumer products, internet, mobiles at Telstra, right? But in the last five plus years, I have had a very successful career in tech, in tech sales. I 
in my 10 years of selling tech, I have over 20 top sales recognitions, right? I'm a natural at sales. I know that. Why? Pretty simple. My value statement when it comes to being a good salesperson is not about the sale itself. It's these three things. I love helping people by solving their problems with technology. That's my value statement. It's not about the art of the deal or being some slick fucking salesman and having the suit and the nice car. I've got probably the least amount of suits or the least amount of material goods out of pretty much most salespeople. I've got a lot of toys, but I don't have a Tesla. I don't have a fucking Rolex. I don't care about any of that shit. I just love helping people. And that attitude towards sales and particularly relationship and account management is what I was really good at was looking after people, looking after the relationship they had with Telstra and with Cisco. That's what's made me really good at sales because I got to know them intimately. I used to build a trusted network. I used to have a bit of business acumen and then I could link technology solutions to their outcomes or what they were trying to achieve. Solving their problems with technology, enjoying the process, being passionate about it, and just talking about it, that it's not a sell. It's an education, it's an information. Because really, good salespeople are not salespeople. They're trusted advisors. Because what sales is, is really just solving problems, addressing people's needs. And, you know, those external needs that we need, we solve them with a product or a solution, but that all comes intrinsically from inside. So to really be good at sales, you need to understand people, their emotions, their needs, and how to meet them. And people don't really understand that when it comes to sales. They just think it's the slick product with the features and this and that. But really, you need to solve the problem that created this need for a product in the first place. And how do you communicate that? And how do you do that efficiently? How do you optimize that system and how can you provide levity and expertise to the situation so they trust you enough to buy from you? Now, people in sales like to think they understand that, but no one has systemized it. No one has done it in, no, no one's created a really good sales course. There are sales courses out there as a methodologies that I've subscribed to, such as Spin Selling and the Miller Hyman, and there's now MedPick, which is more focused on B2B tech sales. But again, they don't understand the fundamentals of sales psychology, human psychology, just being a good person, customer experience, all right? So particularly in the tech industry, this thing that I see and why I'm creating it is because there is no fundamental education for my career. To be good at tech sales requires a complex array of skills that no one learns at university. You'll never have it in any formal education. A lot of it is experience-based. And then also that a lot of it is just, it's too multifaceted, right? Technology and tech sales is really about connecting humanity, technology, possibility. What's the human problem? How do you solve it with technology? How do you enhance what you want and what you've got? That's the possibility. So, and now... Tech runs our worlds. It runs our lives. We are integrating towards tech. We are moving towards the singularity. But the fundamentals of how we communicate the effectiveness of tech and how we utilize it is still extremely underutilized. 
And what do I mean by that is that like tech, what the top three or four companies in the world are all tech companies, right? But the people that sell the tech, they, almost none of them had formal training in sales and in account management and relationship management. There is no specialized education for this career. And now I recognize that and I'm going, wow, that's insane, right? This is a trillion, a multi-trillion dollar industry. And everyone thinks, oh, it's about getting an IT degree. No, it's not. It's actually about being a good person in the tech industry because the tech solves all the logical problems and eventually all the tech will solve itself because we will continually optimize and it'll learn through AI and it will, you know, it'll self-heal and it'll create efficiencies and gets through our emotional irrationality that prevents us from being efficient individuals optimized individuals like I am. I've had to take so many emotions out of myself to become this optimized state of mind and state of being. So it means it's never been more important to be a human in the tech industry, to be a people person, to understand emotions, understand stakeholders. What do they want? How is that relevant to the context of the solution that they're trying to look for? How do we solve human emotional needs with logical technical solutions. That is one of the core fundamentals of what technology sales is. But no one teaches it, right? Everyone talks about how to prospect customers and um, understanding how to forecast. And, and everyone talks about the technology and the product and how it creates these new things. But the fundamentals, they're all missed, they're all glossed over right? A lot of people are in tech like myself that don't understand the fundamentals of technology. They don't really understand their sales process that very well. And that's why people keep quiet about it is because they sort of wing their way through, you know, just getting reps and getting just better without guidance. And so what does that do? That means, oh, they get secretly afraid they're going to get found out that they're not as good as they actually think they are. So, so many people keep quiet about it. And because you make so much money, you go, well, I've made my money. Why the fuck would I care about anyone else? But I didn't get into tech sales because I was passionate about tech sales. Again, I fell into it. I love to solve problems. I love to help people solving their problems with technology. Now, guess what? That technology does not have to be tech. A digital course is also technology. Technology is anything that creates efficiencies in processes um, in the human condition essentially, right? It's not all about circuits and fucking IP connections and hardware. Oil was a technology at one point. The printing press was a technology at one point, okay? So when, you, when I change that perspective on who I am and what, I'm pot or what I can do, I inverse the lens and instead of solving technical problems, I'm solving people problems. And the idea is no one teaches you how to be good at tech sales. And the years that I had spent um, learning my craft sucked. I had no technical background, almost no guidance, and I sensed the pain. 
right? It's such a complex business, such a complex role that doesn't have to be as complex. It will always be complex, right? Because the value that it provides in the long end and the long effect is substantial. You can have a very comfortable career, six-figure plus career in tech sales without any formal qualifications. And that's what's happened to me. And that's what's happened to so many people in the industry. But as people aspire and they want to work towards and they want to work in the tech industry, there's nothing there to facilitate their growth and accelerate their growth in that place. There's no fundamentals around that. So that's what I'm creating. I'm creating a fundamental course. Everything that I wish I had known when I had started out was put in front of me in my 10 years of tech sales. That's what I'm creating right now. I'm building something called the Tech Sales Academy where I will be um, documenting and I've been writing out this course on and off for a while now. I started writing it almost two years ago when I was in my uh, hiatus between jobs between Telstra and Cisco in, that, in the woods, as I talked about in a previous ep, where I you know, was unemployed or you know, I chose to take some time off so I could build ACN and then I also built this course and I chose to go with ACN initially because it felt like more of the passion than the dream. And so yeah, now being in Cisco and being in the tech environment again, looking around at the next generation and going, fuck, these guys need help. I go, well, this is perfect. Here's my target market and here's what I can create value in because what I've got is a multi-million dollar skill, right? In the last five years, I've closed something between 25 and $30 million worth of sales based on what I know about tech sales. Right? in the last five years. So that is an extremely high value skill. I know how to make that much money move in the market. Right? Being in tech sales, in the first two years, it's very acceptable and fairly common to have a six-figure income in the first two years of your tech sales career, again, without any formal qualifications. It took me... Just about two years, actually, yeah, to get my first role in face-to-face sales as opposed to being in the billing team and the support team, which is what I had to do to get into tech sales. Yeah, and I ended up on 110K, um, presuming that I hit my target, which I did. I think I closed like 130% to target, so I had a nice little kicker on top, right? But again, being on a nice six-figure income, It's a fairly cushy job. I'm not in the fucking trades or I'm in the mines. And if I'm good at sales and I'm good at talking shit, that's a great way to make an income. And I still enjoy it to a degree. I enjoy it a lot. You know, if I was left to my own devices at Telstra or any account management role in tech, I'd fucking be pretty chill. It's probably a good thing that I'm not in the role because I might get too comfortable. Actually, that's probably not true. There's still this insatiable need for me to keep building and doing shit. But it's still a role that I'd be happy to be in because, again, I get to work on those fundamentals. The fundamentals of being a person that loves to help people solving their problems with technology. I keep hitting those three and I'm good. I'm good. That's part of that central purpose that I'm working towards and expanding my horizons on and interpreting it differently, right? And the reason why I'm building this course, again, huge gap in the market, a lot of potential for it, I've already tested this in early days and I've got some really positive feedback because again, it's this massive gap and 
you know what? Why not me? Just like every other attempt at building something in this life and what I built with ACN, why can't I fucking create it? I'm passionate about helping people. I love mentoring and developing people. It's one of my greatest achievements in life to date is creating impact towards others. I originally called this course Impact Sales Academy because that's what I want to do is create impact and empower the next generation. I mean, sure, do I want to make money in my own financial freedom? Yeah, absolutely. But I want to do it in a way where I'm providing intrinsic value that energizes me when I do it, right? That happens to a degree when I do it in sales and I'm working with customers that I like when I had my NFP customers and I was actually creating technology solutions that created impact, right? My favorite customers were my not-for-profits at Telstra because, you know, for example, one of my customers, Save the Children, I was installing technology to educate underprivileged children, right? We were sending technology and um, networking solutions and internet connectivity to far reaches of the country, right? Some of these kids were getting education, remote support, resources for the first time. And that's good to feel a part of, that I'm contributing to something greater. We all love that shit. So if I can bypass that by helping individuals, being a service to them, creating a scalable digital product based on my 10,000 hours of highly acclaimed sales expertise, that's a fucking potent recipe. And that's something that I've thought about a lot and that I believe in and what I'm working towards. So right now, um, I'm building, I've built the framework out. I'll talk about next week about how I'm going to create it. But yeah, the idea is technology sales course aimed at the needs of tech sales professionals early in career, accelerate their growth, give them the guidance and the wisdom and the insight that I wish I had and create, you know, create abundance and plant seeds that I'll never see, but people will appreciate beyond my time. Maybe not beyond my time, but hey, just being of service. That's the mission. All right, fuck, that's the podcast. I'm sure I've gone way over 10 minutes for all those segments. I can't tell, but hey, I'm on a roll. I felt like I was on a roll, so probably it was engaging, and I'm sure you'll have fun. Let me know in the comments. Come feel free to talk a bit of shit. If this is something you're interested in, guys, like and subscribe. You probably already know that by now. Um, Jamil J. Raymond on all the socials, hit me up there. I've got a pretty serious uh, content schedule coming up soon to start promote my tech sales stuff. If you're in the tech sales career and tech sales industry and you're interested in being part of a trial or a proof of concept, the early days of this course, please reach out. If you want to get into tech sales and you would love to know more about what I'm doing and why, because you're considering it as a career option, hit me up. Jamil J. Raymond on all the socials, always happy to help. Um, you know, if this is, if this is something that you've really enjoyed, share it. The best way for me to grow as an individual and to grow my brand, quite honestly, is to have people that like yourselves that love what I'm doing here, share it with others. I'm just going to be pumping out valuable shit, insights, systems, self-reflections. That's the pod now, right? So you're going to keep getting high grade quality insights to help you become your best self as well. Thank you, binges, and I'll see you next week. Bye for now.